Retro Hangover supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Katie Quigg, and Paul Romalo. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 84 of Retro Hangover. Hello, Retro and Classic Gamers. Welcome to the podcast where, in the name of the moon, we'll punish you. This is episode 84 of the Retro Hangover Podcast. I am your co-host, Chris Copeland, with guests Seamus Patrick Burke and Sailor Meredith Copeland. And, as always, your host, Shane Pretty Dick Moon Dragon Koski! <laughs> I just, okay. So this will not show up on the actual episode, but I just need to point out that him screaming into the mic just cut in and out. I like, got the same thing. Yeah, four times. <laughs> that was amazing. Like, he was just blowing it right the fuck out. Also, I feel like you're threatening me with a good time with this introduction. What What is this moon punishment? And does it involve a nine foot vampire lady? Please discuss. I mean, why wouldn't it? If you just give the nine foot nine foot not nine foot nine foot tall vampire lady some some makeup kits and some uh-huh. compacts, I think we right. can. Make sure that she can punish you in the name of Resident Evil. Fantastic. Just a, a nine-foot-tall vampire lady feels like another day at the office for Sailor Moon. Like, you don't even send the whole team for that. You send, like, one of the lower tiers. You send, like, Chibiusa to take care of that. Like, yeah, nine-foot-tall vampire lady, whatever. That's uh, pretty standard. Right. You, you can send me. That's fine. Meredith's dying, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm surprised she wasn't already dying because she's sitting right next to you during that introduction. Don't die, Meredith. Oh. We just started the episode. We need you. <laughs> I mean, being with me is a slow death. So everybody, give a warm welcome to my wife, Meredith. He's not lying. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point of marriage? Is that you just die very slowly together for the rest of your days? True. Till, till death do you part. That is in the vows. That is part of the uh, part of the uh, agreement. I promise I will slowly drain your life force. I don't think we did those in the vows, did we? Yeah, we did. Did we? Yes. Uh, Everyone does them in the vows. Doesn't everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I said. Yeah, yeah standard. <laughs> she actually just has a very clever out clause in there that you weren't aware of until <laughs> just now. It, it, it was just, it was just it was just hidden in just like you know um, your. Uh, I was about to say wedding agreement, but that's not it. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it's a free like it's a freelance agreement. You need to just like you know kind of say <laughs> arrange something like for this. Uh, God, marriage license. That's Thank what I meant you. to say. LegalZoom.com. <laughs> you just zoom in really close. It's like the Santa Claus. It's just in very very tiny text. You can only see with a microscope. Nice. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. Fine. <laughs> no, <this is> fine. <laughs> <laughs> Stop and think. Did he just say Santa Claus? He probably did. Okay.
That would be the least offensive thing we said on the show. Okay. I mean, I find Santa Claus incredibly offensive. <laughs> you would. Oh, hey, we're reviewing a completely different thing from the 90s, and it's not anything with Tim Allen. We're talking about Sailor Moon. Good point. We are Although now, we need to discuss that crossover. The Santa Claus-Sailor Moon crossover. <laughs> That's right. Starring Tim Allen. <laughs> we're the, in the name of the moon, and he's like, Arr. <laughs> <laughs> Tim the Sailor Tool Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transform into Sailor Moon. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> Those skirts do nothing for your legs. Oh, God. And then, like, the mask guy and then uh, Wilson, the neighbor, can be, like, partners. I This is great. <laughs> no, it, no, Wilson has to be tuxedo mask because it would just cover a different part of his face. It would cover the top half instead of the bottom half. There you go. Yeah, there you Perfect. go. <laughs> this has already gone off the rails. I love yeah, it. Yeah, let's, let's get back on topic, please. <laughs> I never thought I would say that. <laughs> Can I actually can I say really can I say really quick I'm happy that you guys even have me back in the room given uh what went down with that Patreon exclusive episode that you recently uploaded to all of the people on the Patreon I am very very sorry and yet I'm not sorry at all because that was part of the point Yeah I mean what do you mean man like I totally I sold it on that I was just like you're getting nearly 2 hours of bonus audio content this is what quarantine has done to me, where I'm willing to just binge 300 issues of Sonic the Hedgehog in less than a month and then just describe to you at length everything that went down. I'm amazed it was as cohesive as it was. <laughs> so, Chris. Hey. Are you are you there? Are you still there? Are you with us? I'm I'm still here. Have we killed Fantastic. Meredith with laughter yet? She's, uh, she's, I think she's starting to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just my rusty bitch face. We're not talking about Sailor Moon enough, that's why. Well, in any event then, so, uh, Chris, what, what have you been up to? What, any, uh, anything you've been playing lately we should know about? Uh, yes, but the first tidbit of information, what I found out, is that we're recording this on Pokemon's official 25th birthday, and it also happens to share a birthday with me, which I just, I just found that out. I'm surprised it you took just me this found long out to that it was that your birthday. That too. Like I've always okay. celebrated Pokemon's birthday, but then someone told me it was my birthday too, and oh, it it's neat. made things a lot more interesting in life for myself. So now I'm I guess I'm three. You are you well, are the cho- you are the chosen one of Pokemon. Like you are the one who is meant to be the very best. Like no one ever was. Exactly. Pokemon chose me. I didn't choose yes. the Pokemon life. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon well, life represented because I was gonna I was gonna say all oh, happy birthday and everything, but you yeah, happy birthday, yourself, man. So yeah, so screw it then. Too late now. Well, you didn't say anything before the episode. Seamus did. Thank you, Seamus. You're very welcome. <laughs> Other than that. It's okay. It's okay, Shane. You're you're still cool. We're still buds. I was saving it for the episode, and you ruined it. I don't. Well, you can view it that way if you that, want. That 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 should be like the motto of every podcast. You know, just I was saving it for the episode, and you ruined it. Like that just happens. <laughs> that happened before this because Chris and I were talking last night, like which we won't go into. But um. <laughs> oh, great! So you guys have already had this entire discussion. No, no, no. We have not. We have not. Okay. Hmm. 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 All right, so so what else are you up to besides discovering that you've been born on this day? Uh, the other thing is I've been playing uh, Near Automata, ah. and uh, I haven't like I, I just really haven't been playing it a lot. I don't know. I've just been like really tired lately and just kind of huddling around a, around my computer. And one of the reasons is my my son got Persona Five Strikers, so I've been letting him play that. Of course, he got it with his own money, and he was really excited to play it. So. Let them play that game. I'll go in there and game when I can. My nephews have also been over a lot, and I don't think I should be playing a game like Nier Automata in front of them. But, uh, yeah, it's I'm having a good time with it for the most part. It's not gripping me like the original Nier did. 
and even though the gameplay is a lot better. So it, it kind of goes to what my if if you're a patron, you've heard my review of Nier. The criticisms of Nier's what I don't have with this, but it's not it's just not gripping me. I always bristle whenever I hear stuff like that, when people say that the game gets good like X amount of hours in, because I got burned with that with Final Fantasy 13, where they said like the game gets good 30 <laughs> hours in. And I'm like, you do know that's not a point in its favor, right? Like, why can't the game be good as soon as I press play? You know? It's funny because that is the exact game I was thinking of. Yes, yes. How could you not? <laughs> it should it should be good right off the get. But I mean, I'm not even that far into it yet. I think about five or six hours and I could be further along in the storyline, but because it has quests that you can activate all over the map and takes a bunch of time in order to do, then that's what I do. I always get sidetracked very easily and that is entirely my fault. So I'm probably playing the game incorrectly. Ah, the Ubisoft problem. Yeah, that's always a dangerous kind of game, especially Ubisoft games, where you like you can go over here and you can explore this thing and you can craft this thing and you can build up your homestead and you finally just snap after six hours and you're like, what is the actual goal? What will take me to the next part of the game? <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it and then you, you know realize you've just been ignoring the the giant arrow pointing you in that direction the entire time. Exactly. Yeah, like that giant glowing spire. You might want to head towards that. That might be a thing. <laughs> but look at all these flowers I have to collect first. It's just it's it's the FOMO of quests. So any case, yeah, that's that's me. Uh, Meredith, how about you? Have you been playing any video games? Why don't give me that look? No, I've been sewing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, sewing a Zelda costume for Halloween. Ooh, which uh, which Zelda? I have no idea. It was just a pattern. Twilight Princess. Oh, that's a good that's a good one. That's probably one of the top tier Zelda costumes. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I saw I saw the ones from like Skyward Sword and, and the original Legend of Zelda. And they're not they're not very good. But the, the template she Just got like the game. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I bet you're excited for that. That switch re-release. But yeah, she's God fucking a <laughs> she's building it up from scratch. And I'm excited to see what it looks like uh, when she's all done with it. Well, I suppose that functions as a good segue. Um, I'll just I'll touch on mine real quick as then we'll, we'll, we'll go to we'll go to Seamus. But um, but yeah, I finished playing Skyward Sword recently, uh, particularly two days prior to the announcement that they're going to make a probably less shitty version for the switch. And man, was I excited. If you were in our Discord, then you would have seen my reaction to it. Um, it was it was not pleasant. And so how they're doing it for the Switch, I'm actually not sure that it's going to be, you know, vastly superior because the way that they've kind of described it is because the, you know, motion specific controls for the sword are like so integral to that game they needed to come up with some sort of solution to still make that work without doing a whole bunch of extra rework in the game. And so what they've done is they've mapped the sword swipes to the right stick of the pro controller. And I feel like that's going to be awkward as shit. So we'll see how that works out. That sounds like too human where like all the combat was like done with the analog sticks as opposed to the buttons. Yeah. It Did just, anyone play too human? I mean, probably somebody. You literally can't now because they took it off the uh, Xbox Live marketplace. Yeah. Because of yeah, the lawsuit. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, so finished up Skyward Sword. Uh, it was probably one of the most rage-inducing experiences I've had in recent memory, and I do not recommend that game to anyone ever. Conversely, I started up Twilight Princess HD, and I am thoroughly enjoying myself. 
I did not give that game a very like fair shake the first time around. No pun intended, mostly because of the motion controls. <laughs> um, I th- That's terrible. I got right about to the Gerudo Desert and then I stopped and uh consequently that's right about where i am now and playing it uh on the wii u with the pro controller is mm, just such a better experience um I'm, I'm actually really enjoying my time with it so uh it's because it's on the wii u yeah well that's that's actually the reason yes i'm i'm playing it on the best console that's ever been released um ever of all time yeah the, yeah, the people, goat as the, the kids say <laughs> People can't even agree if it's a console or not. Is it a console? It's a is it a handheld? Like a, it doesn't really do either very well. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a Switch but beta. Darn it! it that's it totally sure what it tried. is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the Switch is an improvement on the Wii U in every conceivable way. True. Yeah. Although I, I think you just you might have just pissed off Chris. <laughs> I, I, he's, no, it's he's like the one diehard Wii U fan out there. There's more than just me. There's dozens There's like five of others. Us. You offended the Wii U fans, all both of us. <laughs> yes, we are both very angry. I'm still trying to find the other one. <laughs> well, I wish you the best of luck. Um, but yeah, that's, that, out there. that's your that's your soulmate that you eventually find the other Wii U like fan that's still holding out after all these years. And now you just offended my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you actually found that person, I probably wouldn't be too mad about it. I'd, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of impressed, actually. <laughs> He's the only other Wii U fan, just like I got nothing. You know, we have it written into our marriage agreement that, you know, just. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was if, the one that got him the Wii U. There you go. See? What it took to get that damn thing. Ah, You've brought this upon your own house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but at any rate, outside of Zelda stuff, um, I also played through and completed uh, Grim Valor for the Switch, which was originally a mobile game. Uh, and of course, a lot of people probably immediately cringe when they hear mobile port, but I can assure you that it actually was very well done and it plays incredibly well on the Switch. It is essentially a like 2.5D Souls-like kind of experience, and it's pretty brief, which I think was nice. It's a little compact package. I think I finished it in probably about, I want to say, 10 to 12 hours, uh, and it definitely did give me a pretty good challenge, and so I uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that as well. Uh, it's fairly inexpensive, too, so if you like those kind of Souls-like games like that, I might recommend trying to pick that up. I would say definitely do it with a controller. Whether you get it on the Switch or if you play it on mobile, play it with a controller because it's doable with like the swipe controls, but um, not optimal. Let's just let's just say that. Uh, so so that's pretty much me. Um, what about you, Seamus? What, what have you been up to? You been doing any gaming lately besides what we're talking about today? I have, um, although I've kind of been revisiting some stuff because uh, my my birthday was uh, earlier this month. Um, I think it was two weeks before Chris's. And um, one of the things that I did is I had some friends come over and soup up my PC. So I got to slap in a new graphics card. I got to do a RAM upgrade. Like, everything's looking good. And so I'm actually going back to a bunch of games that I played on the Gray Man channel when it was first formed. And just Mm kind of seeing how the graphics improved. And it's like when you get your glasses prescription updated, you're like, oh my god, I can finally see. Like, everything is running Mm. at uh, at the, you know at the point that like it probably should have been all this time it's just that <laughs> when i bought this pc it was a baby's first gaming pc and it only had like a two gigabyte uh, graphics card so i just kind of worked with what i had definitely not ideal for uh, let's play content um so i've been replaying like uh basically anything with the re engine like resident evil 2 the recent uh remake of resident evil 3 stuff like that mm-hmm. um and it looks really good 
But if we're talking just um, new games, um, I finally completed Hades. I finally got uh, Mom to come home. I finally got Persephone <laughs> to come home. <laughs> and nice. that's how invested you get in that game by that point, because it took me like 60 runs to finally do it. And I finally just started calling them Mom and Dad instead of Hades and Persephone. Like, I was so invested in the story. Man, I keep hearing about that game. I actually own it. I just haven't gotten around to playing it yet. And there's there's at least one or two people in in our in our discord the regulars that continually say that we need to play that game so i gotta get around to that actually uh, actually okay so this is the question that i've been dying to ask since you invited me on this episode uh who is your favorite sailor scout who is your who is your waifu for laifu and uh mine is sailor (laughs) jupiter who me yeah go for it who's yours probably the if i can't get jupiter then it's pluto mine is mine is still jupiter but if you're saying (laughs) jupiter then i'm gonna go my number two is mars Mm. I I honestly I have no opinion. <laughs> Boo! Boo this man! Just pick, just pick Boo one, this man. man. Boo! It's literally a Sailor Moon episode. Just pick one. I pick the cat. Okay, yeah, uh, uh, like you pick which the one? Ca- <laughs> the There's fuck two cats. Do you mean Three. which one? <laughs> but the, There's Luna, okay, there's the Artemis. black cat. Diana. I don't know the one That's that Luna. shows That's up Luna. all over the place all the time. Luna. Mm-hmm. Yep. Luna. That one. But, That's but, the but, one. But but seriously, like Jupiter is like the most balanced one. Like she's the tallest. She's like the only proper martial artist on the team, but she can also like cook and she really wants a boyfriend. She has this very like romantic side to her. Just, you know, she's just freaking adorable. I'm sorry. And well, she's the only one that doesn't wear freaking high heels. That's true. Yeah. She wears those like really uh stylish boots. I like the boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very yeah, practical. She's but, your nine foot tall vampire lady. Well, shit. All right, I'm sold then. Uh, by the way, apparently, I looked this up. Apparently, uh, she's officially 5'6", which is considered like a giant if you're a woman in Japan. Like that you're just considered <laughs> like, you know, you're just towering over everybody. I think the only taller like um, female character in like modern Japan is like uh, Sakaki from uh, Azumanga Daio. She was like 5'10". So what you're saying is if you're 5'6", you're considered to be kaiju. Kind of, yeah. Just like, look out, <laughs> it's Sailor Jupiter. We need to get Rodan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I guess I'm never going to Japan. <laughs> Nobody's going anywhere right now. So I, I don't think any of us are going to Japan and Japan's not going to us. I'll tell you that right now. No, definitely not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a Japanese person starts screaming, saying, watch out. There's a giant coming after us. When I start walking towards them, I think I'm going to be a little upset. I might, I actually <laughs> am. In any case, before I feel like I take that as a compliment. Before we continue this discussion, we have a brief history to get to. Oh, God. We have a show format. Jesus. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're 24 minutes in, according to the recording, so we should probably talk about this game sooner or later. I mean, At I guess. At some point. Well, on that note, uh, hey, Chris, why, why don't you give us some brief hey. history behind uh, the Sailor Moon Another Story? Usually when one thinks of a licensed game of a major franchise, you would typically expect some crappy throwaway action game. Something that could be developed in a little amount of time with basic assets to be thrown out the door as quickly as possible to maximize profit with very few exceptions. This has pretty much always been the case, especially for Western developers. However, games that are licensed for anime and developed by Japanese studios occasionally try different and more bolder things, like a full-blown role-playing game. Bishoujo Senshi Sailor Moon Another Story isn't the first example of a major anime to take a shot at a traditional RPG experience, 
but it is the only time that the mega-popular franchise would delve into the genre among a pile of beat-em-ups and fighters. Development would begin in 1993 by Angel, who had also developed the previous Super Nintendo games. While most of the development staff is relatively unknown, they did manage to have the composer of the anime series, Takanori Arisawa, create music for the title, as well as receiving supervision directly from the weekly comic, Nakayoshi, that Sailor Moon ran in. The team would also have to come up with an original plot. Since the manga was still an ongoing production, the team decided to create original enemies and have the story take place between the third and fourth story arcs. As such, plot focus would be on the enemies, as the developers made the assumption anyone who would play the game would already be familiar with the game's protagonists. On September 22, 1995, the game would release in Japan, and only in Japan, to mostly positive reception. Reviewers praised the game for its overall presentation and graphics, with some publications going so far as to call it a great game within its genre. The game would remain largely unplayable to Western audiences until much later through emulation and ROM patches, which is how we played it for today. And that is your brief history of Sailor Moon Another Story. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris, for that brief history of the Sailor Moon RPG. And so, uh, as we usually do, uh, we kind of start off this piece of the show with some of our personal experiences, which I think is going to be interesting given the source material. So, um, I don't know. You know what? Let's, let's start with Seamus. What, what do you got? What's your experiences with this? I think Meredith and I might be like the two big Sailor Moon super fans uh, in the room because I really what? became, no. I, I really became like the big, a big fan of the show, like, uh, in middle school, um, which is kind of funny because um, you got to remember this came out in the 90s. So if you were a boy and you were into anything meant for girls at all, you were immediately like pilloried by anybody. So I was kind of like low key a Sailor yeah. Moon fan. I didn't talk about it very much with people. And I remember, uh, you know, there was that typical thing uh, in the 90s where they're just like, you're into Sailor Moon. That's so gay. And I think my comeback was always, dude, it's girls in short skirts fighting monsters. You're gay if you don't like it. Meanwhile, I'm saying that about possibly like the gayest anime that you could possibly see. Like it is just <laughs> so like even just at its mildest, like the show is just so incredibly gay. I mean, you had two Sailor Scouts that were in a relationship with each other that even though they tried to censor that in the English dub, like you still nobody was fooled, like not even me. And I didn't understand anything about dubbing at the time but um it only makes it weirder and uh i had played like most of the games through the emulation scene like you mentioned but most of them were the beat-em-ups they were the ones that were kind of like final fight where you just like move to the right and you just beat up a bunch of people which those were actually kind of good i actually really like those um this game this was the first time i had really played it extensively gotcha all mm-hmm. right uh chris we'll, we'll pass it over your way what, what about what about you two whoever wants to go first knock yourselves out Okay, Meredith, you're now going to be colloquially known as Chris, apparently, according to Shane. You're both in the same fucking room, ass. (laughs) (laughs) You can talk to her. (laughs) Meredith, I'll I'll go after you. How about you explain how... Hey, uh, hey, Chris and not Chris, what are your feelings on Sailor Moon? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I started Sailor Moon, I think, was it 95? So I was probably in the fifth grade. And uh, it came on right after I got out of school because I was on the West Coast. And so four o'clock, first thing I did was go home, watch the show and then do my homework. But uh, 
I finished the whole series in the American dub, which she, uh, Seamus was right. Them trying to um, cover up the whole the whole uh, two gay characters was really weird because they made them cousins. The American solution to the problem. Yeah, it was like, it fooled nobody. It didn't. <laughs> Did they give them Southern accents too? That would have been perfect though. <laughs> no. Well, like, and what's hilarious is that they still kept like the very romantic scenes where they're looking at each other in the eyes oh, and yeah. just and everything else. And I kept thinking, did they try to make this into family love? Because that makes it way worse. <laughs> well, instead it, of romantic even, love, I think the even when they were like looking at each other intensely, and in they they took it out in the American scenes, but in some scenes they actually kissed. Yes, it, it was yeah. It's like Tom Brady and his son. <laughs> oh God! Like, what do you, but, uh, what, do you, what do you have to bring up Tom Brady just like in the in this house right now? <laughs> What, like, okay, just that 2021 <laughs> is already not off to a good start because Tom Brady has another fucking Super Bowl win under his belt. Just like, that's exactly what we deserve right now. I hope you're proud of yourself, 2021. You let Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. <laughs> Continue, Meredith. <laughs> so, sorry, Ma sorry, Meredith. <laughs> no, it's okay. But uh, if you haven't watched the uh, Sailor Moon Crystal recently... It's actually um, closer to the manga than uh, than the actual anime show from the 90s. I liked it a lot. My only complaint with uh, Sailor Moon Crystal was they had that one scene where they stuck uh, Uranus in a skirt. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. She cannot wear a skirt. My my anus can definitely not be in a skirt. Oh, my God. Not with that attitude. But in any case, my, my, my personal experience with Sailor Moon is, is somewhat similar to Seamus's. I was watching... Sailor Moon after school on Toonami, which was on Cartoon Network. I think it's still on Cartoon Network. I think they relaunched it. But I watched it there. And it was just kind of like a jumping point for anime in general. Because it had Sailor Moon. It had Dragon Ball Z. It had Gundam Wing. It didn't do the best job of delivering it. But that's because the audience wasn't necessarily there yet. So, like, I don't remember it really going past... Um, like the inner senshi, which is the initial five sailor scouts. And uh, when I was watching it back then, it may have, but I just don't remember watching it as much. But the, 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 the inner senshi, of course, is uh, Sailor Moon, Mars, Venus, Jupiter and Mercury. And then everyone beyond that is called the outer senshi, which are in this game. So when it came to the video game, Sailor Moon video games, of course, we didn't get any in the United States. So I didn't play any of those probably until the early 2000s at the probably the earliest. And that, like Seamus said, they're all beat em ups like the like the final fight Streets of Rage kind of they're setup. either beat em ups or they're uh, puzzle games. They had so many puzzle games for the Famicom. Right. But I, d I didn't play any. I didn't play any of those. But yes, there are a lot of puzzle games as well. But they were mostly fighting games and beat em ups because there was a lot of uh, fighting games as well. And I, I played mostly the beat em ups. And uh Yeah. The, the beat-em-ups were definitely better than the fighting games. The fighting games were, were pretty fucking terrible. And it's funny that you say that they're good. You're like, oh, I remember them being good. Because when we went to the episode discussion of which game should we play, it was the RPG or the beat-em-up. Seamus did recommend the RPG. And now that he's saying that the beat-em-ups were good, if only he could see the daggers in my eyes <laughs> that, we're going to, that we're going to be discussing here soon. Um, but yeah, I played through this game the first don't, time don't put for this, this don't episode. Don't put this on me. I just said, I just said, oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to take the blame for the Sonic podcast. I'm not going to take the blame for this one. Like the Sonic podcast was actually my idea. This is just a friendly suggestion that you ran with. 
Yeah, this is the, well, this is going to be a better podcast for sure. <laughs> Not saying the other one was bad. Wow. But this is this is already off to a good start. So if you too want to experience some bonus audio content and pay money for it, <laughs> please consider joining our Patreon. <laughs> episode can we can we can we can i, I say part of my reason for pitching it was because i knew that chris would be completely flabbergasted by the end of it and that is like there is some entertainment to be gleaned from that so like the my brain melted. the fact that it was like yeah just brain melting like is part of the experience <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I get to cap off the personal experience section and man, is this one a banger? Let me tell you, um, out of everybody in the, in the proverbial room right now, I have never once watched an episode of Sailor Moon or played a Sailor Moon video game, except for this one in my entire life. So, um, I like the cat. You're you're the you're the con- no! you're the control part of the experiment. Like uh, you're the you're the one who's just coming at this completely impartial. Aside from the rest of us, Abs- absolutely. That mm. that is me. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I started playing this game, and well, we'll get into this in the next in the next pieces. But uh, they made a lot of assumptions about the things that they thought I should know going into this. <laughs> this is definitely well, now we know that Shane likes Virgos. <laughs> that took me a second, but yeah, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> I am not a doctor, sir. Wait, wait, wait. You like to play doctor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not a doctor? All right. Well, I guess that is going to be as good as anything <laughs> as far as a functional segue into talking about some of the plot and writing in the game. So, um, you know what? Uh, Chris and or Meredith, whoever wants to start it off, why don't you talk a little bit about this? Okay. So the plot of the game is essentially Final Fantasy 1 is the best way I can describe this where people from the future go to the past to affect the present. And it's pretty much a plot device in order to get all the baddies from the entire series up until that point to fight the Sailor Scouts. It's planned, of course, it's planned to eradicate the Sailor Scouts. Yeah, and it doesn't really make any sense uh, from a, a logical point of view. I didn't think it did. And the entire time, because I don't remember all of the bad guys, I kept on having to ask Meredith here, like, who are these characters? And then she would explain it to me. And I think they have, uh, what is it, what is it called? Like the Opposito Senshi, which essentially is the, you know, the opposite of the Sailor Scouts. So the Sailor Scouts just, you know, in a mirror reflection. And Meredith was talking to me. Who, who are you talking to me about? It was the... Barrels Generals. Not Barrels Generals. The, the like the female, they're all their sema- uh, Sailor Scouts. You know, the weird, si- the weird sisters, the ones from um, the witches five. Maybe you you said that there's a group of people. Anyway, they weren't them. Like it was a completely original plot. You guys are all just but saying she... words. I don't even. Yeah. yeah. Negamoon, the Negamoon. Probably. We're talking about the Negamoon. The bizarro but, like, sailors. I, I, well, the thing is, like, is I that didn't it... even know what was going on with all these with all with the, with the plot, and it was a very contrived kind of. Like I said, Final Fantasy one plot, you know, where Garland's in the present and you you kill him, but you have to go back to the past because the four fiends you defeat in the present are in the past, sending Garland to the future. And that's kind of something like this game. And it, it's all about controlling destiny and where people are supposed to be and, and manipulating where they're supposed to be. And it's very strange. And um, if you've never played a Sailor Moon game before, you're not going to get it. And if you have played Sailor Moon before Sailor Moon game or watch Sailor Moon, you probably not might get a lot of it either. And see here, I thought the whole point was to just collect a bunch of really pretty jewelry accessories. Well, it is. Well, okay. you can just that, you can do that show. in the shop in the game because uh, they get actually have uh, jewelry as like your armor. So you get like uh, 
you know, you get like earrings that up your defense or you get like a bracelet that will up your uh, up your attack or whatever. So jewelry literally powers you up in this game, just like the show. Yeah. Meredith, you, you care to explain what the meaning behind all the jewelry is in relation to the show? Just everybody has their own jewel that just like lets them transform into their sailor form. Like that's kind of yeah, uh, usually their pen. But uh, Luna usually at the most inconvenient times usually gives a. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Usagi, uh, her her transformation pen where she can, I, I think it was in one episode, she transformed into a, a flight attendant to get onto the bus. Wait, uh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> there, there's a there's an episode where Jedi stole oh, Star uh, Wars. a bus. Okay. Short, no, short, stole a bus. Short haired blonde guy. They yeah. don't know who Jedi is. Oh, okay. Well, he's one of Barrel's generals, bad guy, bad guy. Barrel's a bad guy. And uh, they stole a bus full of people, and it's in Sailor Moon Crystal, and she uses her transformation pen to turn into a flight attendant for some reason. <laughs> so a lot of the, a lot of their, yeah, a lot of their jewels do things for them when, uh, whether they're transformed or not. Gotcha. Which, by the way, it feels like the disguise pen should be, like, a way more useful power-up than it actually was. Like, they only used it in the first couple of seasons, and then they just kind of, like, phased it out. And I'm kind of like, no, 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 you could use that to transform into literally anything to ac accomplish your mission. Why would you get rid of that? That's arguably better than the silver crystal power-up. Because sometimes Usagi is an idiot. I mean, she transformed into a flight attendant to get onto a bus. Actually, that's that's something we should probably talk about really quickly, is that when I first started watching Sailor Moon, I didn't get it originally because Usagi is a crybaby who runs away from a fight and it actually takes her a very long time to become a decent leader. Like, the English theme song has the lyric, like, you know, um, never running from a real fight. And I'm like, that's literally what she does in the first she fight does, that yeah. she has in the first episode. <laughs> but that's, but that's kind of why that's I, all she does. that's kind of why I like her because she has a human reaction despite transforming into a magical girl. I mean, she feels like the female version of Vash the Stampede where they're built up as this badass and yet they're a total goofball once you actually meet them. That's a great analogy. I like that. Yeah. She's, she's Vash the Stampede. Yeah, because Vash has the similar thing. Like, you hear the legends about him, and then you actually see him fight, and you're like, what? what, what what's going on? Oh, huh? <laughs> Who's this clown? Yeah, but then the show goes on, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, you kind of see what's going on. Well, as you might be able to tell from this discussion so far, this game was clearly made for fans of the show. <laughs> um, I, actually, because of that, it won me over very early, because the first thing is that... Uh, Sailor Mercury is going to meet her boyfriend who's visiting from out of town. And that boyfriend actually did appear in the show and all the girls sneak off to the train station to see them reunite. I'm just like, oh, hey, her boyfriend's back. Like, you know, I wonder what happened to that guy. Like, <laughs> I was sincerely invested in the story at the beginning. <laughs> see, there you go. Even Meredith brought that up to me before. I'm like, oh, is this a real character from the show? She's like, yeah, but he's just a throwaway. It's interesting that he's in there. So they they did actually put in a lot of fan service to to like hardcore fans of the show, like very uh, small details that probably most people who are just casual fans wouldn't know or remember. I, actually, we should probably mention that since we are playing this on an emulator, that um, uh, the translation that we got was a fan translation, and they clearly mm -hmm. threw in some references to fans of the English dub. Because when you play Sailor Jupiter's part, someone mentions how talented she was, which was the English way of getting around the fact that, that in the original scene, uh, Sailor Jupiter is basically saying she should do something because she has the biggest bust out of the entire crew. <laughs> so oh, wow. So so talent has become a euphemism for big breasts in the Sailor Moon community. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Nine foot tall, talented vampire. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're already getting the vernacular already. 
Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey Shane, do you want to you want to talk to us about some of the creepier aspects of this game? <laughs> uh sure. Um so I mean, well, okay, we'll, we'll we'll touch that first, I guess. So, yeah, there's definitely some interesting choices that were made, although I feel like we might be able to chalk them up partially to the time in which this was made and also where it's coming from and possibly also a little bit of the fan translation. There's a lot of variables that are involved there, but there's one specific piece that definitely stood out to me, and that's during chapter two of the game. Uh, There's a character called Dr. Schwartz, who uh, one of the sailors meets up with. Um, Sailor Mercury. This is at her portion. Right. Yeah. So Mercury um, requires his assistance to accomplish her goal. And um, he he has some he has some interesting things to say. I, I noticed that Chris, I think, said it was Venus. Was it Venus or was it Mercury? No, it was Mercury. No, I just said that's, so. That's yeah. a separate issue. Okay. It is Mercury. Okay. But I, like Venus has her own issues. Every, everybody Mercury. has their own creepy thing for this segment. Like, because uh, which I feel yeah. like is a commentary in and of itself. Ch- chapter two, chapter two of the game. After you kind of figure everything out, you actually fight with the Sailor Scouts together. Very, very little in this game. Like immediately mm. when they get to the second portion, they split everybody up, and for the whole second chapter, you have like four solo segments w- instead of everybody fighting as a group. Right. It's very strange. Yeah. So, so you've got this Doctor Schwartz character character and um he makes a lot of uh let's go with lewd comments regarding his potential intentions towards the sailor uh also makes some comments about her astrological sign and how that might imply that she is a virgin and then just straight up asks what her age is and when she tells him which i believe was what like 15 15 yeah Yeah. uh he is not deterred in the least (laughs) Uh, and that is just one in instance of this kind of thing happening. Surprised. And and see, the shitty part is you that should run for president. Uh, well, we're not going there right now. We'd be here all fucking day. But I, what I was going to say, what I was going to say is that, um, like, yeah, this era of anime, like you saw a bunch of jokes like that. Like it reminded me most of Master Roshi from uh, Dragon Ball. But the thing yep. with Master Roshi is that usually like Bulma will hit him over the head and he'll get some kind of like comeuppance for being a pervert. And this mm-hmm. doesn't happen because this doctor happened to hit on Sailor Mercury, who's like the shyest and the most demure of the Sailor Scouts. So I kind of felt like that was putting her in a really shitty position. Like Mars and Jupiter would have totally socked him in the face. No question they would yeah. have done that. But S- Sailor Mercury's like, oh, um, I'm like, don't do this to this poor young woman. You should see Meredith's face right now. She's very disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> No, I agree with I agree with that disgust face that I can't see right now because we're recording this uh, <laughs> via web chat. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I suppose that also kind of dovetails into a larger point about um, kind of kind of the, the writing and direction of some of this stuff, which I have been informed is a running theme through the show. Uh, of course, I'm not aware of that being the the control group here in the audience. But I, one thing that I did note while playing through this is that there are some like painfully clear spots where they are just making this like women are incapable and a man should do this moments where a sailor just kind of like rolls her eyes and is like, ugh, okay, this again, fine. Yeah, sure. You're in control, man guy. I guess go do it. And then they're really the one that's kind of running things, but they like to let the guy think he's doing it. Is that, is that a real thing, Meredith? Yeah, I think it's a product of its time, though, because uh, that's Basically, it was the 90s, and they're 14, 15-year-old girls. So anytime they tried to tell anybody how to do things, they they pretty much get shot down by any man around them. 
Yeah. And I, and for what it's worth, I actually, I mean, I liked the approach because it seemed very clear that like they were strong individuals that like they knew what their own strength and power was, but they were just, they were also smart enough to just be like, you know what, this isn't even worth my time. Okay, sure. Yeah. You're going to go take care of it, I guess. And then ultimately they're the ones that solve the problem. So I, I actually kind of appreciated that. They're just like rolling their eyes and making like the jerk off motion behind the back when they're not (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) this fucking guy. Am I right? Uh, it's like the temple scene that was, they show up, she shows up there and the guy just straight up just walks up and he's just like, women are, don't belong here. You can't go by yourself. I have to go well, with they, you. Meredith actually saw that scene about the, the mansplaining scene. <laughs> I actually wanted to jump in and just punch him in the face. <laughs> well, they have like, but... a, I forget whose segment it is, but they have like one village it's that's, Mars, it's Mars. Yeah. Where they have the villages yeah. segmented by gender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And that doesn't really play into anything when you think yeah. about it. Like, it, there is no real payoff. Like, there's never a moment where the two villages reunite. Like, as far as you know, they're still separated by gender by the time you leave that part of the game. I think another thing to take into consideration, and Shane made an allusion to this, is where it's from. It's it's made in Japan. We can say it's a product of its time, and maybe Japan's changed a little bit since then in terms of how it writes its female characters. I'm sure. But this is this is Japanese culture almost 101. It's just a very Japanese thing that uh, uh, the people in this conversation in America, they it's it's very foreign to us and we, we look down on it or or like we're like, wow, this is backwards. But Japan's different. It's it's just their, their culture and how they view things is radically different. And it's not it's probably not much different now than it was back then, at least from my own personal experiences. And I'd love to be proved wrong on that. I really hope it is different. But that's just how things are over there. They just. Their concept of uh, how they treat women is is much different than how we treat women in America, at least present company included. Well, and that being said, I feel even with uh, the flaws with the original show and with the game, I kind of feel like a lot of stuff that the show did was like still kind of forward thinking, even in spite of that. The fact that you have two um, main characters who are like in a gay relationship or you get to the Sailor Star series where that kind of blows the concept of gender open completely like you know the you have you know the sailor stars who present as female like um in their transform state but in their civilian state they kind of present as male which is really inconsistent depending on the adaptation of the dub how that kind of works but that's still like the fact that you're able to even have gender fluid characters in a society that has such strict rules for gender you know overall like i still think you know is very laudable yeah 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 and I- I think just the entire culture, I mean, they have their they have their better things about their culture and they have their uh, things that we view negative about their culture. And it's just different and what they value and how they view things. But what we can definitely agree on here is that this gameplay who this gameplay, oh, I don't it sure is some gameplay. Uh, I'll, I know Meredith. We'll get we'll get to it, but I I I threw in the towel before we recorded this. I tried my best to beat it. This is the only game in my appearance on this show that I have not beaten before talking about it. So I apologize to everybody. I did my best. <laughs> well, hey, that's okay because um, cards on the table. I also threw the towel in on this one. I didn't finish it either because I just I couldn't. So I guess I'm the one who beat this game. Yep, I sure did watch a long play on YouTube though. So I got it's not a very long. Yeah, I, I, I did see the long play. Um, and this is not a very long game. It's like 15 hours. That's not even a weekend. Like if you batten down the hatches, you should be able to beat this pretty quickly. But there's just tons of stuff that prevents that. Uh, yes, yes, there is. And, and so to that point, 
uh, Chris, as the only one who was stalwart enough to see this thing through to completion, um, you want to talk a little bit about some of the mechanics that we got going on here? So I'm going to write this down because I'm proud of this line and maybe I shouldn't be. But the gameplay in this game is like buying a dozen flowers and then you get a 50 bag of shit for fertilizer and the seeds with it. So it's the Ikea yeah, of gardening. Yeah, it's it's all there. The The fundamentals here for for a good RPG, a good, I would say, yeah, turn based RPG, because it's not an active time battle. It's a turn based RPG. Everyone selects their moves before, you know, they perform their actions and then actions are performed based on who has the highest speed. And for the most part, and when it works, it works. And when it's balanced, it's balanced. The problem is, is that it's not balanced. And it results in not working for pretty much boss characters or especially later in the game if you have underleveled characters. This game wants you to grind and it wants you to grind a lot. And that's where most of its length comes from if you're playing it straight up and honest. It's just one time at one level you'll be absolutely crushed and then you'll gain one level and then just start waxing ass. And there's no explanation to it other than you maybe have gotten two more power. So you'll be doing two damage and then the next level you'll be doing 40 damage or you'll be taking 40 damage and then the next level you'll be taking two damage from the enemy. So this game has very rigid level markers it wants you to accomplish for moving on in certain situations unless you're set up with certain items or whatever the case might be. Or where everybody is placed on the battlefield, which that only introduces it like yeah. in the fourth chapter when you're already like 80% of the way through the game. I didn't even remember them talking about it at all. They didn't, I just, no. I just happened to fall onto it. And when I was just, I don't know, fiddling around with the controls, it had all these different formations. And I just, I just stumbled on it. Like and, this, yeah, is, the, this is what the game doesn't explain shit. This is what this is what made me quit because I get through um, all of the portions with the individual sailor scouts. I get through chapter three. I get to chapter four when you get to go to this new segment where you get to pick any sailor scout that you want. But the thing is, is that um, the battlefield placement uh, that you have every sailor scout in is very important because some will either give more their attack will be better or their defense will be better. Just at all kind of and there's different formations like one is an arrow. One of them is just like a shoot where it goes from like top left to bottom right. Um, and then there's a cluster where you have somebody in the center. And I could not figure that out for the life of me. And it throws me into this scenario where you have to fight the weird sisters from um, uh, the third story arc. Um the Dark Lady arc. Do you know the name Meredith? Yeah. Um, God, I know they're American names. It was, what, Catsy and Birdie and those ones? Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, um, they were from Sailor Moon R, I think, or S. Yeah. It, they had to be from S. Yeah. Yeah, it was when Chibiusa came. So I get, and you're supposed to fight all four of them in just like this marathon battle style. And I could not figure out a combination to save my life because this game could not give me like a really decent idea of what i was supposed to do for a good combination like mars had really good attack but then like jupiter had really bad defense and so did venus and mercury was freaking useless at this point i shouldn't have brought her along and just i finally just couldn't do it and by the time my original idea was i was going to go back and i could see if i could put together a different combination but the save state that i had on the emulator was about two hours behind and i finally just threw my hands up Ugh. and i said fuck it i'm not playing this again for another two hours just to get back here <laughs> <laughs> so that's what made Oof. me throw my hands up and quit <laughs> i mean i gotta be honest i don't really blame you there but so a couple of things that chris pointed out so there there are two kind of separate but related issues right so you've got first of all 
the thing that you pointed out about how one level makes such a huge difference. The the progression, somebody actually, I don't recall who it was, but again, I keep I keep plugging our Discord, but somebody mentioned it in the Discord that they would really, really love to see the math behind this in this game. And and I tend to agree because the character progression makes like zero sense. It's not linear. It's not even fucking logarithmic. It just like spikes for no reason. And Chris was not being hyperbolic where you will be fighting certain enemies and you'll be taking like, let's say a hundred damage or something per hit. You level your characters up once and you go and fight that same enemy. And suddenly you're taking like 10 or even less. And conversely, you're doing vastly more damage than you did before. And so one level up could make such a huge difference in some cases, and then maybe not always in others. So that in itself is problematic because you never really know what you're going to get with that, right? So that's one issue. The, The second issue is the difficulty inconsistencies. It's very, very spiky, uh, particularly with the boss fights and where Seamus threw in the towel admittedly much further than I did. I, uh, I just straight up fucking quit at like the second boss in this game. Oh, Mercury's boss is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's Mercury's boss is a fucking demon. Fuck. So, okay. You go through the preceding area, right? And, and you level up quite a bit along the way. Um, I will say though, that this game is a hundred percent shameless in the fact that it wears it on its face, that it wants and expects you to just grind. As Chris mentioned, like there's no bones about it. And this was one of those cases where I was like, Oh, maybe I should, you know, stop and grind a little bit before I do this. But even having done that, I went into that fight and without going into all of the details, essentially, if you did not bring a very specific uh, item with you that you p- could should have purchased. I, from I was the about shop. to say that the earrings. Yeah. 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 Well, not even that the, the poison cleansing, like if you, oh, if yeah, you that didn't too. have, yeah. yeah. If you didn't have, what the fuck was it? Like bath salts or something? Bath medicine. <laughs> yeah. Bath salts. So like, if you don't buy the, the bath bomb from the shop, uh, and stock up on that so that it will cleanse poison from your characters. And there's, by the way, there's like no way that this was telegraphed to you that this is something you should have done. Not even Um, close. You end up in this boss fight and it turns into just this fucking slog because it has two phases. The first phase is super simple. It's very easy. You're doing more or less normal damage that you would expect for your character at that particular level. So you knock that out and you're like, all right, awesome. I'm I'm on a roll. And then the boss is like, this is not my final form, as they are wont to do. And then they go into phase two, where suddenly you're doing like 12 damage for no reason. I wasn't and even it, doing that low. I was doing like two damage, like for yeah, a character uh, that has like 200, whatever, two, yeah. 200 e- HP, which shouldn't be that difficult, but it's just like poking with two damage for this entire battle until they fall down. Exactly. And it became this like battle of attrition where even with your very limited use special abilities, I think I was maybe pulling out like 24 points of damage per hit, which was pathetic. And then on top of that, as I mentioned with the the poison cleanse, if you did not bring one, which uh, spoiler, I didn't, then like you just end up having to burn through all of your healing potions to to not die. But I, I shit you not, I actually did not finish this fight. And yet I still was at it for, I think, at least 20 minutes. And not not just that, that that boss in particular, uh, particulars is very egregious in the way you have to defeat it. It takes a long time. 
even when you get to the point where the boss does very low damage to you, and you do low damage, you do low damage to it. It's like there's no way around it. You're not going to be able to take that boss out quickly. But you look at the later stages in the game, and, and I'll get to the later bosses as well, where the game forces you to use all their sailor scouts, and you think to yourself, this isn't a big deal. You go into any real JRPG, and it's going to want you to diversify your character usage. The problem is, is because the way that you gain levels is almost exponential, you're bound to be saddled with a party that is extremely underleveled. So if you don't know that you're underleveling your Sailor Scouts because you want to pick your favorite Scouts to go level up with, you're going to get to a part where they're going to force you to use Chibiusa, which is the child character, as your main character who can't do shit for damage, and you might have a party that's like 20 levels under where they should be. And you're just going to get repeatedly slaughtered over and over and over again until you figure out a way to get them at the proper level. Not to mention that the boss characters in, in the later game, yeah, I mean, there's there's situations where you're they're not going to kill you in one hit, but they all have moves that can essentially wipe out your entire party. And the only way to get around that is if you have Sailor Pluto, who feels like she's broken because she can stop every single enemy from doing a turn from doing an action for two turns. That's one of her basic abilities. The thing is, is you don't have her in your party. These enemies will absolutely wax your ass because some of the ways to survive their attacks is to defend. And that's the only way to do it. And you're and there's no way to know that the bosses are going to do that attack that is going to wipe out your entire party. There's no signal or anything like that. You just have to defend while Pluto gives the boss character a delay. I was going to say, because I didn't play to the far enough where I would recruit um, Sailor Pluto in my party, but the real OP character for me was um, Sailor Saturn. Like, she, because she has a attack that can do do damage to multiple people and it just like wipes everybody out in one move as soon as you get like uh, her to a certain level so i would just put her at the first of the party and then i would just have everybody else defend and by the way the spikes between when you defend and when you don't also get ridiculous like if you don't defend there are some bosses that will take like 200 hp and they will like kill you in one move but if you defend they'll just take right. like five hp or something like that like it's uh, just the difference is just staggering oh and the thing you said about sailor saturn gives me uh one more quick point I do want to bring up because you're right Sailor Saturn is extremely useful the thing was I didn't think Sailor Saturn was extremely useful because I didn't have her proper items equipped yes nah. which is another huge issue is that there's certain items for certain Sailor Scouts that once you equip them their stats go way 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 up now if you equip the wrong item on the wrong Sailor Scout and that Sailor Scout is not in your party and you can't swap your party members you're fucked. Yeah, that's <laughs> what happened to me. That Sailor Scout can't do shit. Because I had, like, the power-ups for, like, some of them, but not other ones. I didn't search around for the environment. So the fact that I was kind of going in, like, a little bit unprepared, because I just had the inner senshi for the part in the game where I quit. And just, everybody just got mm -hmm. kept on getting wrecked, and there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not all the items tell you which is supposed to be with which scout. Most of them do, but not all of them. So you could easily put the wrong item on the wrong scout and then not have it accessible to the correct scout when you need to put it on. Well, I feel and like and Meredith so is just sitting there shaking her head at you because, like, if you were a true Sailor Moon fan, you would know which goes with which. No, uh, Meredith, yeah. back me up on this. The <laughs> earrings never really come into play. Like, earrings or anklets or anything else. No. But no. in the game, aren't it, it they all labeled ever... with their, like, They are. I was about to things. say that. Like, it's they, like, like they... ruby God damn earrings. It, Shane, you interrupted Meredith. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Go on, Meredith. Go, please. No, but but uh, Seamus is right. Is that the, they don't actually really have anything to do with the show or the uh, comics. That the only things they ever really used were their pens and any little devices that Luna gives them uh, after they needed them. Oh, God, that's actually a good thing to mention. Like, you and Chibiusa both have a holy grail if you're playing Sailor Moon, and you can only use them yes. in battle, and they give you, like, massive power-ups because the holy grail was a power-up in the show. The thing is, is that they never tell you about the holy grail, and they never tell you how beneficial it is. The holy grail is basically the only way that Chibiusa becomes a u halfway useful character. Yeah, isn't that something yeah. they start you off with, too? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they never it's just in your inventory and they never explain it. They never explain that. They never explain like how to use formations to the best of your ability. Just nothing. Right. And actually and to that one point, last thing. Well, I, I was going to say to that point, there was one more thing and maybe you were about to say the same thing. But um, okay. we, we need to talk briefly before we move on to the next piece here uh, about the the method in which you are meant to discover the link techniques in, in this game. Oh, discover what link well, that was techniques. I was going to bring yeah. I was going to be much more briefer, but what you're about to discuss, yeah, it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. And it should it should be cool. There are so many things about this game where you feel like if they refined it a little bit more, this would be great. But it's just so incredibly unbalanced and it doesn't explain anything. Right, exactly. And that's... found bag of shit in the seas. <laughs> and that's one of the biggest problems is because I think a running theme through the most of this game is... A lot of really great ideas, but just really poor execution. And the link techniques are a perfect example of this because in my mind, so real quick, what these are basically is there are different uh, abilities that you kind of unlock by using certain combinations of sailors, right? And so you would think that you could organically discover these by just playing with different party compositions and then you'd be able to see oh these two or three sailors when they get together they can do this like link combo and it's really neat except that's not how it works the way that you have to discover these is through a menu system so you go into the pause menu and there's like a links section and all you have to do and by the way you can do this from like minute one of the game and which is more or less what I did once I discovered that that menu in there, you go in and you basically just exhaustively go through and just try every single combination of two to three sailors until you unlock every possible link combo. And then you have them all discovered for the rest of the game. So I ask, what is the point of that system then? If it's just there for you to just go through and unlock, like that's the most boring way to discover those things. And I just feel like uh, with a lot of other aspects of this game, great idea, incredibly poor execution. You know what this game reminded me of the most? Um, how many people in this room have played Final Fantasy Mystic Quest? Uh, uh, some. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So Love it. For, for those who for those who have not played it, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, like Final Fantasy wasn't a big hit in um, the West and Japan kind of got it in their head. I don't know where they got the idea, but they thought, well, maybe Americans haven't figured out how to play RPGs. And so their solution was to put together like a baby's first RPG to introduce it to the West, <laughs> which is if you feel insulted hearing that you should feel insulted. Um, Still a good game. Yeah. It, and that's the thing. But the thing is, is that the simplicity is a design choice. Um, um, and so the game is still really solid, even though it's very straightforward. Like, the, you're always moving forward. There's never a point where you feel like you have to grind. You're always going to the next village, always going to the next temple, always going to the next part of the story. Um, and everything just feels kind of simplistic. And so for a game like this, where I feel like their primary audience would be, like, young girls, like, you know, 
like who may or may not be in, into RPGs, I feel like there's a market for simplistic RPGs. Like that's why I was kind of on board in the first chapter. I mean, there's even a little thing where if you press the L and R buttons, like your character will just fucking zoom across the screen like the Flash, so you can just get through, get to a certain area quicker. But shit, I, I wish that. I would. I wish I knew that. <laughs> it's it's really great. Just like you hold down the left the left and right buttons or the L and R buttons, and you'll just be like, oh, you'll just boot book it across the screen. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> Fuck. But there's all. There's all these like uh, little things that I feel like uh, cut down on what would be a frustration in another game. And um, so I see almost a seed of that. But because it's so unbalanced and it's so unintuitive and it doesn't really explain anything, like if they were trying to market it towards young kids, I feel like they would be really frustrated. They would give up on the second boss like uh, like Shane did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like in a roundabout way, you just called me a small child, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you do play games on Babby. That is true. I do like my easy mode games. Um, well, I, but, uh, and and by the way, like part of the reason I kind of still like Mystic Quest is because I'm a grown ass man who doesn't have time to play a hundred hour epic. So like, I kind of appreciate word. something that that I can just like yeah. play with one hand and just like kind of like you know have a YouTube video open and the other thing, and you just press A and you win. You know, <laughs> that's. Play Trials of Mana. Yeah. That, that, that's <laughs> yeah. Right up your alley and, oh, man. And so so before we move on, um, for what it's worth, because I feel like we've been doing a lot of uh, shitting on this, I, I will say that there was definitely way more effort put into this than I think anybody might expect from your, you know, typical licensed game. I will agree Chris, with that. Chris, yeah, Chris kind of yes. pointed it out in the brief history, but this could have very easily been just like a throwaway cash grab thing. And I think that they there 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 are elements of you know real effort put into this that granted not very well refined but um definitely more than i think most would expect from a licensed title oh and one of those aspects are the graphics yeah fantastic segue we're professionals so <laughs> so talk to me talk to me about these graphics the the graphics themselves and this is where Meredith can come back in the conversation because you know <laughs> she's asleep she's, now she didn't play the game yeah she's 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 napping what do you think Meredith but the graphics themselves like it, they're not they're not perfect by any means but I would I would like to point out some of the later stages and the the battle graphics and just the sprites being so well designed in and of themselves for a 16-bit, you know, Super Nintendo game, mm -hmm. where they easily could have mailed this in and not put as much effort into it. But you could tell there's some care and effort going into it. It looks really good. It, it It's not quite up to the standard you're going to expect from, like, Squaresoft. But there are some, there are some times where I looked at the screen and I'm like, okay, this is... This is kind of similar to the backgrounds that you would get in a Final Fantasy VI, or you would get in a Lufia. And I was impressed sometimes by the amount of detail, like the mode seven, when you get the airship and you can fly around in the past, I think it's the past, but I was, I was actually pleasantly surprised by the way this game looked at times. Well, and all the, and all the portraits and all the sprites, like for all the sailor scouts, like everybody looks how they're supposed to and everybody acts how they're supposed to. Like my favorite part of the story was just when the sailor scouts were going like, you know, oh, who's your new boyfriend? Oh, you know, just, oh, I'm so in love with him. And everybody just having their very goofy conversations yeah. like they do in every single episode. I, I kind of got on board with that. Like everybody felt like themselves. Yeah. And actually, so that's a, I, I have a Meredith question now. So if you if you I'm assuming you saw at least some of the gameplay for like the battles and stuff. So the the special abilities that the different sailors have in this game for for the ones that you did see were these things that lined up 
at all with with the show like did they did the effects that they had were they like similar to the source material at all or was this something they came up with just for the game most of them most of them okay some of yeah some of them were it looks like they just made up on the spot Mm -hmm. that's the only way to explain it but most of them looked like they they lined up pretty well okay Okay. Although um, all of the all of the um, attacks like are voiced by the actual cast from the Japanese show, like it, and they mm. go- that's for the sound section. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <You're> skipping ahead. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't. We fucking live know. in a society. <laughs> this is a structure. <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) You have the notes. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, so so that's good then. I mean, I mean, I think being faithful to the source material is definitely important, especially for this kind of a title. And for, you know, for what it's worth, being someone who has no idea about any of that, I think just from a purely like objective standpoint outside of being a fan or anything, um, I, I thought that, you know, the, the sprites and the graphics and, and the battle effects in particular were pretty well done. Um, I don't know, actually, I don't know exactly when, I know Chris said it in the history, like in the life cycle of the, of the Super Famicom that this came out in. Was it earlier? Later. Or later? Late. Eh, okay. 95. That might be a little bit less so of a point like the, than the PlayStation Saturn. Yeah. We're already out. I was going to say, like, the one thing that I feel like, and maybe fucking for all I know, maybe this happened later in the game because I sure as hell didn't get there, but... I feel like one of the things that maybe would have been nice is, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more of some of those like real bombastic, like big, super detailed, like boss sprites and stuff that you do get from some of the Final Fantasy titles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, like a Kevka level sprite for the final boss or something. Yeah, because you right, do get to yeah. fight. Que- you you do get to fight Queen Barrel from the first season and she does kind of go into her like ultimate form that she, like, you know which plays into the finale of the first season. But it looks mm. like really mundane. Like her sprite look just looks like Queen Beryl standing in the middle of a giant flower. It doesn't really have like the fear or majesty that the original scene had. Well, I would say I would say this. I mean, the final boss looks pretty cool. I'll, like the sprite for the final boss looks cool. <laughs> I'll take but your they, word on they it. Try... Yeah, I would, we'll take your word for it <laughs> yeah, since right. we didn't get there. <laughs> they, they try to stay faithful to the, to the anime aesthetic. So like it's always going to have that kind of shading and, and that kind of look. And I think Meredith can kind of back me up from what she saw on this. Cause I'm just trying to get her more involved in the episode. But I, I will say like it, it looks similar to it, it's it's slightly better than the bosses you get in, say, Final Fantasy five mm-hmm. for for the sprite animation. If either you play Final Fantasy five, I know you I was about Shane, to say that. Yeah, because the, fi- the final boss for Final <laughs> Fantasy five has one of the most detailed sprites. But the final boss. But I'm saying like the general boss price, the general enemy. Oh, price, I see. I see. This mm-hmm. is this is above that. Now, like the, the very finer details, the final bosses for like Final Fantasy four and five. No, it, it doesn't quite reach that level. But on average, it's better than what those games are giving you. Yeah, I see. And I will say that, I mean, as far as like the environments are concerned, I think that they were definitely well varied and identifiable, not necessarily anything that really stood out too much to me. Um, Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that it was very serviceable. I mean, I personally 100% hated the the first like city section just because I kept getting my dumbass continually lost in where i needed to go and the, and um, the encounter rate is way too high so you're just like uh, fighting everyone yes. off while you're trying to remember where to fucking go yeah yeah it's like every five steps i'm fighting someone in in the city and i'm just like i'm just trying to get to the shop <laughs> i'm just trying to buy a manicure yeah 
I need my hair did. <laughs> the, which, by the way, we haven't mentioned that. Like, the manicure actually ups Next your attack. Time. You up your attack with, like, nail polish. <laughs> <laughs> that totally makes sense to me. Definitely. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> so, um... Game blouse. <laughs> <I'll say so. laughs> uh, so, unless anybody has any other points on graphics, I feel like I'm going to go ahead and let Seamus take us into the music and sound portion since he was so eager to do so. Oh god, I had to cut off the music like so quickly because it was so repetitive. In fact, um I was telling Chris this last night. So but but we have two pe- two new people in the room so uh, it, like I can get a fresh reaction for this. So uh, the music is just like very repetitive and it's like very plonky. It's just like bonk 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 bonk. So I just uh-huh. muted it and I had music playing um in the other window on Spotify. I've been going through a thing this last week where I've been marathoning every single Cure album. And, I, and so I played most of this game while listening to The Cure, particularly Pornography, which is the Darkest Cure album. And so I just have this bright, peppy Sailor Moon game. And in my ears, I just hear, it doesn't matter if we all die. Just all. <laughs> 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 oh, the contrast is beautiful. It's like I a, know, I know, like a movie trailer. <laughs> But oh my god, I, I don't I don't know how the music was for the uh, for the latter portion of the game. Like when you get to like chapters three and four. Like Chris, what were your impressions? Uh, before um, it gets to me, I'll really turn it over to Meredith because I, when I was listening to the music, I noticed that same thing. It's it's very unorthodox for a JRPG or just a video game in general. It sounded a little too overdeveloped. So I turned to Meredith like, "Hey, is this from the anime?" So Meredith, did it sound familiar to you? Well, especially during the battles, I, I told him that those were their transformation music uh, when uh, when he was fighting during the battles because he was like, the, it did sound um, a little overdeveloped for him. I was like, yeah, that's Mar- Mars's uh, transformation music when she transforms. So, yeah, I mean, that they, they took a lot of music straight from the anime, and that's probably It's the same why, composer, isn't it? I think you mentioned that at the beginning. Yeah, the exact same composer. The same the, They got the same guy to do the job. So... When I when you hear your regular battle music it goes burder, 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 and yeah, it just burns into your mind because I think the sound sampling is pretty piss. But I'm not going to expect someone who's getting paid probably a handsome penny on an anime series to know the inner workings of the Super Famicom. That's probably just not going to happen. But they're going to do the best job they can. So. Yeah, the, the the battle music itself will burn it into your brain, not so much because it's terrible. I mean, it's not good, but you just have to hear it so much because you have to grind all the time. Now, the boss music, I think, was was really good. And the town music was uh, just it wasn't memorable, but I, I'll say it was just it wasn't bad. Uh, and I'll say that for the most part, the, the music in the game is good outside the fact that you will hear the battle music over and over and over again. And you will need to think that we all need to just die, as Seamus said, and just get just get the cure. <laughs> well, uh, okay. So the thing with the, the thing with the battle music, though, is that like you listen to something like a Final Fantasy, and Nobu Yamamatsu will at least have like a different movement. He'll at least have like another verse, or he'll have like a bridge or something. So it kind of breaks up the monotony. Like this did not have that. It was just like one 10 second loop and it just went on and on and on and on and on and on. And I think that's what kind of got to me after a certain point. Yeah. Well, I, like I, an anime would. <laughs> well, I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm actually with, with Seamus on this one in that I really couldn't stand the music just as, as a sort of blanket statement. It, and in, 
if it's mostly from the show, then I, I think that's great that they attempted to do that. And I'm sure that fans definitely appreciate that inclusion. And for what it's worth, some of them were definitely far better than others. But I think, Chris, you actually made a really good point that I pointed out in my notes for this as well, that I, I felt as though they didn't make the best use of of the system's sound capabilities at all in that actually the thing that Seamus pointed out, which was to me, and I described it a different way, but I feel like we're driving at the same point, which is that I, I felt very like beep boopy. Like it was just beep, boop, beep, 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 beep. And, but also high pitched, a lot of high pitched shit. And when that's coming through your speakers, it's just like, it gets real grating, especially when you've got it on such a a short loop, uh, as, as Seamus mentioned. And so I, uh, I didn't supplant it with a different soundtrack, but, uh, let's just say I did mute this at one point and I felt like it was a better experience. Well, you notice like the Nobu Imamatsu battle themes, like they actually kind of start very low. They ha- kind of have like a lot of bass. They have like a lot of kick drum. And then if the battle goes on, then it moves into different, you know, movements as like the fight gets like a little bit more intense. But mm. if you just end it in like one turn, then the music doesn't really like, you know, really matter because you aren't going to be hearing much of it. But this one, nope, it's just blaring horns, just, you know, the <laughs> horns that you can do with the Super Famicom sound chip just in your ear all the time. It's like you're stuck in a traffic jam. It's just vuvuzelas for days. <laughs> <laughs> okay I, let's get let's leave it with a compliment before before we essentially for the most part wrap this yeah. up it's that the and, and Seamus already brought this up they did use good voice compression and good voice samples for the sailor scouts inside their in, in, inside the battle they yes. did not have to do that like that that is extra effort right there getting the voice cast yes absolutely and that was actually one of the things that made me realize you know to my earlier point that there was definitely more effort put into this than one might expect from a licensed game. And so I did appreciate that. Even as someone who had no experience with the actual show, I thought it was super cool that they included that. And it was actually done, as far as the compression of the voice clips goes, uh, pretty well, I thought. Yeah, it didn't have that thing that you have from like uh, the early Street Fighter cabinet where it just sounds like they're <laughs> saying the line through like, you know, f- like a million pounds of cheesecloth or something like. Yeah, it sounds like a broken McDonald's drive through. I actually I actually did that for a game jam here in Portland where we were trying to replicate that. And I just parked myself in front of my microphone and I just said the line with my hand over my mouth. Like, that's the way you have to replicate something like that. <laughs> Welcome to the Virtual Hangover Podcast. That's going to be our new intro from now on. <laughs> You can have that for free. Just do that if you oh, want. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Do you guys have any random bits of information before we give our final thoughts on this? I do have one small one, but it's not even really related. To you know, this game. we haven't really talked about the villain cast very much, and I think that's probably one of the better bits of effort that they put into it because everybody has a very distinct design. Every villain that you fight, even if the boss fights are really simplistic, like they at least everybody has their own individual motivation, and everybody has their reasons for why they're fighting the sailor scouts and you have this big evil you know bit of evilness that's kind of lording over them and so it felt like a villain cast from the show like i felt like they could have just you know thrown these people into a season of the anime and i probably would have followed it like um that was probably the most interesting part for me yeah i would say that the that the sailor villain scouts were pretty good and I asked Meredith, and Meredith said she'd never seen it before. So no, they're, they're completely, yeah, they're completely original, and they're sympathetic. They're not like completely blank slates that just want to destroy things, which 
is somewhat refreshing in any RPG like this. Which is also a theme for Sailor Moon. Like the um the villains kind of get dimension over uh, over the course of the season. I mean, the big bad is obviously the big bad and has no remorse. But the rest of them, they they seem to have a little bit of their own arc and 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 a way to redemption. That is that is the thing that did crack me up is that every single one of them, you see how they joined the bad guys, and every one of them seemed like very easily coerced by this big bad that's telling them to destroy the Sailor Scouts. They're magas. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> we weren't going to talk about that. Um. <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, a bit of miscellaneous information. That I have, I don't. So I don't know how we time this in the manner that we uh, did. Perfectly so the, you might, uh, is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Flawlessly. So if anyone's like really curious, like why are we talking about Sailor Moon? It's because originally we tried to have an anime month scheduled, and then uh, just it got broken up, and then we realized that we have never played this game before, so we had to push it back a little bit more. So this was supposed to be right after Fist of the North Star. Obviously, it's not. But uh, if we had had that in line, it would have been even better. Because uh, the movie Sailor Moon Eternal came out in Japan this year on January 8th, with part two coming out on February 11th. So I don't know how we how we did that, because I didn't know. I'm sure Shane did. That's why he was like, yeah, do it. Yep. And uh, Seamus probably did. This is why he agreed to it. And Meredith definitely did, which is why she's here, even though she is like me on the Sonic Patron episode and just has... Uh, her brain melting out her ears, mostly in disgust, not in not 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 knowledge gathering, but mostly just I can't understand why my husband does this uh, on a on a biweekly show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 and the the interesting fact about these movies is it's the first new Sailor Moon film in Japan, or, so, or just first new Sailor Moon film in 26 years. So we are being topical, everybody. So go check out that movie if you can. I think it's going to be coming to Hulu if you like Sailor Moon Lu. That was terrible. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> Cancel the show. I, I mean, at least waifu for laifu made sense, man. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this episode is really just our our, our gambit to try to up our, our Japanese listening audience. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> well, what it is. We're doing that while we're insulting their game that never even got released in this country during its original <laughs> run. So <laughs> your shit it's is terrible. Please translated. visit our Patreon. <laughs> we are retroactively <laughs> mad at this game. <laughs> Fuck this game. I would say to be fair, retroactively mad at a game is like at least half of what we do. <laughs> That was my whole thing with the Sonic episode, where I'm just like, I'm retroactively mad at this comic that I stopped reading when I was 14. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we discuss whether or not this holds up today, yeah. based off our conversation, because, you know, we've I, I think we've kind of kept her out of the episode with most of this discussion, so I really want to hear her full thoughts. I want to hear Meredith's thoughts on whether or not she would even attempt to play this game based off our description of it. Meredith, what do you think? Fuck no. Oh. <laughs> that is the correct answer. All right. Well, thank you, Meredith. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything more? Like, okay, go ahead. It sounds like you're trying to say something else or it's no. just a fuck no. It's like it, just the music alone, having it repeat every like five seconds would grate on my nerves. I could, I know I'm walking around. I, I watch Chris get lost in the city trying to take the wrong fucking bus for like <laughs> 10 minutes. You should have been a flight attendant. <laughs> Why didn't they have yes. the disguise pen in this game? That would have ruled. <laughs> they did have, the, they did have the disguise pen in this game. Did they? Yes. Yeah, Luna probably freaking waited until after he needed it. Yeah. She turns into a peasant in, uh, in the Moon Crystal Palace, and she turns into something else in another place. 
All right, so a resounding fuck no from Meredith. So that that's fair. I think that's a pretty good assessment. Uh, who, who wants to take? Who wants to follow that? I'll I'll go. Um, All right. There there were parts of the game that I really liked, and I think if you were a hardcore Sailor Moon fan, I think that from a story standpoint and from a character standpoint, it's all the characters you like. They all act like they're supposed to. Um, and uh, I can and you have like this original set of villains, which they didn't have to do, and they you know. So clearly effort was put in there. I think if they just balanced it better and they had less repetitive music, I think the game would probably be probably be like way more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the market for it was good, probably aiming for like, you know, grade school children in uh, Japan. And I get the feeling that they would just would be really frustrated. I mean, we're four grown adults and we got worn out on this game really, really quickly. So liked the story, hated the gameplay. Fair. All right, I'll go next. And uh, I agree with my wife. Fuck no, this has not. <laughs> held up today and uh you know look fans 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 of the sailor moon series they're going to get some they're going to get some you know bennies out of this they're going to enjoy some of this and if you really want to play an rpg with sailor moon i mean this does exist that being said i i think the fact that angel never made an rpg prior to this and this is really their first crack at making an rpg i'll give it i'll give it to them that this is an admiral job it's not a good job in fact it's a very bad job but it's admirable for people who made, you know, fair to middle and fighting games and um, uh, on the par beat em ups. So for that, I'll, I'll, it's commendable. I, I will give them that. It's just it doesn't mean you have to play it, though. And you shouldn't. Uh, because, look, if you love grinding, even the grinding here isn't fun. The grinding here is fairly punishing. It's not like Dragon Quest where it feels rewarding with every single level. Because uh, even there, I, I I like grinding there because I get new abilities, but all your abilities are unlocked from the beginning of the game and the link system, like it, you just get it. So there's no real point to grinding other than just survival. And that's shit. And it's really unfortunate because Seamus is right. There's good things here. The graphics are good here. The music is reminiscent of the anime, even though if, if it loops a lot like an anime show does. The voice sample is is there. Effort and care and love was put into this game. But it's like effort and care and love when you take a little girl and you combine her with a dog like in Full Metal Alchemist. Okay, it It just doesn't too soon, man, too Too soon. soon. And it it makes everything it makes everything feel bad. All right. So stay far away from this game unless you want to be punished in the name of the moon. All right. Well, I'll wrap this one up. I'll, I'll say, you know what? I saw a lot of folks in comment sections like of YouTube channels and things like that having a lot of positive nostalgia for this game. And to be fair, I can actually see why. If you're a Sailor Moon fan, I do believe that this is a pretty solid product comparatively to a lot of the other licensed garbage that, you know, people are used to getting, um, you know, a lot of that shovelware. However... Uh, It's definitely not something that I would recommend today. I'm not even sure that I would have recommended it back then unless you were like the hardest of hardcore Sailor Moon fans. The the fact of the matter is that as, you know, everybody else has kind of pointed out, it's it is very much a JRPG relic of its time in pretty much all of the worst possible ways, particularly the excessive amount of grinding that is required to even progress through the game. Um, And that's not even to mention, you know, the very poor balancing and the completely off the wall progression that you have, as well as some of the perhaps better ideas that just didn't see a really great implementation like the link system. 
honestly, I don't see why anybody ever would, but I truly believe that this game would greatly benefit from a Trials of Mana style overhaul and HD remake. Because if they were to take this and kind of to to some of Seamus's points, if they were to take this and kind of streamline things and give it a really great like coat of paint and, you know, make it 3D and get rid of a lot of the real egregious parts of it and tighten up some of the mechanics, I think it actually could be a really enjoyable game. But as I said, I, I'm not sure that there's a there's a reason or, or a need or even like a, a call to have that done. But if if they were to do it, I think it would actually be really successful. All the all the parts are there. They just weren't put together well. It's like getting the world's best scientists together to make a fart machine. It's just a waste of all the talent. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> all right. Well, I think with that, I think with that about wraps up our discussion of Sailor Moon, another story. So first and foremost, uh, I would like to thank well both of our guests um meredith thank you for for braving this the ridiculousness and coming on and sharing your uh, your thoughts on sailor moon appreciate that thanks and uh and seamus it is good to have you back once again it has been a while always been a, always a pleasure thanks a lot for having me again i really enjoyed this absolutely well i enjoyed i well i enjoyed talking to you i should probably say like the game is just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah i hated doing it but i'm glad that i'm here now <laughs> hey in quarantine i'm happy to be anywhere right now that's a good point that's a good point <laughs> yeah so while folks are still in quarantine and probably looking for you know content to consume or, or things like that um what what where can people find you seamus what what do you what do you do out there on the internets um, just look me up, uh, at, uh, gray man games on YouTube. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at, uh, S P Burke, uh, that's a uh, S underscore P underscore Burke you, that, so you can just follow anything I'm doing there. Fantastic. All right. And as for us, uh, as we usually do, we've got a few quick plugs of our own. If you're listening to the show, then you've already found us. So hi, hello, Great. welcome. Nice to have you here. Uh, but if you would like to engage with us more, there are a couple of ways you can do that. As I've mentioned a few times through this episode, we do have a public discord and we would love to have you join in on the discussions that we have on a, on a daily basis. We've got a really great community going in there. So if you'd like to do that, you can go over to uh, bit.ly slash RHP chat, and that will give you an invite to the arcade floor text channel where you can hop in with the rest of us and start you know, posting dank memes or whatever it is the kids do these days. And uh, there are some other things you can do if you are crazy enough to like the show so much that you would like to show your support in a different way. We do, in fact, have a Patreon. You can go over there and check out the different donation tiers by visiting, uh, actually, gorpfans.com because our uh, current patrons are ridiculous and convinced me to uh, register this URL. So that's G-O-R-P-F-A-N-S dot com. That will bring you to our Patreon landing page. And of course, we'd be forever grateful should you choose to do that. We also do have the merch store that is still open as always. That's at bit.ly slash RHP merch. You can pick up a sweet shirt or a mug or a sticker or something to send to your grandma for her birthday. Chris, why don't you uh, talk about our Twitch channel real quick before we shut this thing down? I was just about to say, Grandma loves the eggplant dragon. Dude, back in the day. She was slaying eggplants. <laughs> I'm hoping this makes sense to you two because I'm completely lost. That's it's fine. An eggplant, dude. Yeah. Okay. Eggplant. Yeah. Tick dragon. But in any case, yes, our Sunday stream 
is on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern, 2100 in gun time. Gun time. Gun time. Thank you, Grand Rapidians, for, for birthing that. Gun but time. We're on twitch.tv slash retro hangover. And you can find us there at 9 p.m. ish Eastern Standard Time. Unless we're in daylight saving times, then it's day, uh, you know, Eastern Daylight Time. You know what I'm talking about. But just get over there. We'll usually be playing a game semi-related to the topic of the week. I don't Fucking expect to find us playing this, this one. <laughs> this is this this will not be there. But we'll, we'll try to find something related. It won't be too difficult. But yeah, come join us. Come join us on our Sunday streams. Uh, we we really appreciate the people who show up there. Uh, just special shout outs to Llama and Randall, one of our patrons, and uh, Riku, who always show up there to to join in the conversation for, for interesting subjects and topics. And Lyle, it's been a while since you've been there, man. We miss you. Hopefully you get back there and, and give us some shit. You're, you're being sporadic, Lyle. We see you. Well, we don't see you, but we <laughs> see Fucking you. Fucking Lyle. I stalk your Steam account. I know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I believe with all of that being said, until next time. Play with your makeup wearing Virgo enticing Dr. Schwartzian joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.